0: Welcome to Long Live The Music, a podcast from It's All Dead, made by music fans for music fans. I'm Kyle Hawk. Welcome to Long Live The Music. Thank you for joining us on the podcast today. I am Kyle Hawk, editor in chief at itsalldead.com and uh, just flew back from Vegas and uh, boy are my arms tired. Um, Oh, sorry. That was that was bad. But uh, no, I, I got back from Vegas uh, earlier this week. I'm recording this podcast on Friday, August 28th. Uh, it was out there for when we were young. Uh, a lot of you, if you listen to this podcast, knew that uh, I was going. We talked about the festival back when they announced it. Um, I was fortunate enough to to be able to purchase a ticket for the Sunday date. Missed out on all the... Uh, fortunately, the craziness of what took place on Saturday. We're going to talk about that tonight. But uh, just kind of wanted to give everybody, um, I guess, a little bit of sightline in terms of what that weekend was like, what the festival was like, um, some of the things that we experienced. And uh, hopefully it'll be, um, you know, fun, uh, fun conversation. By the time you're listening to this, the second weekend will have already taken place. Uh, Be following closely to see how all of that goes. But um, tonight on the podcast to talk with me, is my good pal Chris Waffler. and if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know it was probably four to five years ago. I can't remember specifically, but Chris has been on this show before uh, with our mutual friend Lowell to talk about Drake. Um, and uh, you know that that was a it feels like decades ago, but uh, back when we were young. Um, no, sorry. Uh, boy, that's, man, that's two bad ones. I got to stop. All right. Uh, Chris, you're here. Welcome. Thank you for joining me, not only for a long weekend in Vegas, but now on this podcast.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me, Kyle. I don't know what the longest gap for a recurring guest on your podcast is, but I'm hoping that tonight I can stake my claim uh, to yeah. that.
0: I, I think I can see you as the Chuck Klosterman type, I think, um, especially if you start writing books, be um, even more fodder for discussion. I'll get right on uh, that. Well, Chris, you went with me on this trip. Uh, take me back. Let's go back to January when this all got announced, um, because it's one kind of amazing that it all worked out. Um, I know both of us had like multiple screens up the day the tickets were on sale. We were trying to buy our tickets. I was fortunate enough to sneak through for the Sunday date when they announced that and grab a ticket, you missed out on that, but then they sent out the email and we talked about this this weekend. So obviously the tickets for this year and the next year sold out very quickly, but they did this again for this, this following year's festival where they, you can buy a package like a hotel and ticket package. And for whatever reason, these don't sell out, um, or at least they have been available well after tickets sold out. You were able to get in on that for this past Sunday back in January when we bought them, and it worked out perfectly because now we've got a hotel room. Uh, th- we had no problems logistically with all of this, which felt really nice considering how many people. And we're going to talk about the number of people, but how many people were flying into Vegas? It kind of I-, I thought it worked out pretty almost perfectly, didn't you?
1: Yeah, especially I think in a, in a world where Ticketmaster pretty much has a, a monopoly over concert tickets. And I know trying to buy a ticket for the upcoming Blink-182 tour has been super yeah. difficult for a lot of people. Buying a ticket for Paramore, um, I tried to buy a ticket to see them in Cincinnati, was super difficult. It's just shocking that the hotel and pick ticket uh, packages were as readily available as they were. Um, days yep. after the initial sale. So I, I agree with you. I feel like that's the way to go. And if I was somebody that wanted to go in 2023, I would definitely take a look at the hotel and yeah. ticket packages versus just the ticket.
0: Yeah, you might check it out. And it's also, it ended up being cost effective because obviously hotel and uh, Airbnb prices shot through the roof for this weekend. Um, but you know, it's crazy. I was thinking like, you know, we did all this in January. It felt like forever. Like when we bought the tickets, I didn't even, I couldn't even process like, Oh, we're going to go to this festival. It felt so far away that I didn't even, you know, it's like, Oh, okay, sure. Yeah. I guess one of these days we're going to, that's going to happen. Well, then it came up fast and suddenly we're, we're boarding a plane to, to Vegas. Um, and I'll, I'll start by saying that I had a blast. I thought, um, it was an incredible time. Again, Fortunately, we had tickets for Sunday, not Saturday, because as you and I were sitting on the plane uh, in Denver, we we had a layover in Denver, got on the plane. I was checking Twitter one last time and saw, um, so this is Saturday morning, that the Saturday date had been canceled due to high wind. I'd looked ahead in the forecast, knew it was going to be windy. I I wasn't thinking anything in my mind that there was going to be an issue. Well, it was. Um, how, How surprised were you, one, that that happened and then... Too, I want to talk a little bit about the actual wind, so that people can get a feel yeah. for like this wasn't like a gentle summer breeze. It was probably the the craziest wind I've I've experienced personally. Yeah, and I think I mean this
1: happened in a post Firefest uh, kind of environment, right? right? So I remember when the festival lineup first got posted, the running joke was, "Oh, this is emo Firefest." And it was yep. the first time they were hosting the festival, so you could probably anticipate that they wouldn't get everything 100% correct. And Then as soon as they canceled day one for something as odd as wind, I yeah. think in my mind I was like, oh crap, what if that happens again on Sunday or what if there's something wrong or not adding up here? Um, I knew we would get our our money back. I wasn't worried about that, that aspect of it, but it was – I think ominous sort of going mm-hmm. in, but there was definitely a difference when we got to Vegas. And even when you and I were out and about um, on the town, uh, Kyle and I went to stadium swim, which is sort of a, a rooftop pool area with a bunch of uh, TVs for, for sports. And yeah, it's a good thing that they canceled Saturday. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if anybody out there is upset about them canceling Saturday, but I promise you a refund is better than having to go to a festival in those type of conditions. Cause one, it would have been totally unsafe, but two, I don't think anybody would have had any fun getting blown around no. with, with things probably flying through the air, hats, yes. beer bottles trash. I mean, it was just awful.
0: It, it would have been extremely dangerous. And while we're at stadium swim, laughing at how insane this wind is like basically just gripping our seats as the wind is like whipping us and everybody um the the chairs like sort of the reclining beach type chair that we were sitting on which uh, you know i don't know how to i obviously didn't you know weigh them or even try to pick one up but they were heavy metal chairs one of them was picked up by the wind went through the air and landed in a swimming pool and at that point Uh, There were whistles blowing. There were people ushering us uh, out of the area. It it was that kind of environment where it was just like, this is nuts. So, yeah, I can't imagine having gone to the festival on Sunday, I can't imagine what it would have been like uh, trying to survive it in the wind like that. But, you know, one of the things that we noticed on Saturday, um, you know, it it was obviously a bummer for everybody that had tickets for Saturday and couldn't go. Um, One of the neat things that I saw come out of that, though, was the, the scrambling of like different bands to schedule like pop-up sets at um, different venues all around the city. And I I mentioned to you, like there was somebody I was following along on the threads at uh, chorus FM and somebody had created like a Google sheet that was tracking. Here's where all the different bands are playing and what time. And it kind of felt like the community was at least trying to like kind of come together um, and make the best of a really bad situation. And I thought that was, you know, obviously we weren't affected by not being able to go, but it felt like a silver lining, um and what was kind of a crappy day for everybody
1: yeah i would agree and although you and i didn't make it to one of the the pop-up shows knowing that we were going on sunday i I totally agree there was sort of a communal aspect not just to seeing that on saturday but also on sunday i would Mm -hmm. say that everybody that we ran into talked to at the festival it seemed to be kind of more of a we're all in this together as we're navigating lines and crowds etc yeah Um, Yeah. it, it wasn't it, it was a nice vibe, I would say, among the other attendees. And, uh, yep. So yeah, I think, I think the band set a really good example for that on Saturday.
0: Yeah, the vibe of the weekend overall was good. And I think that was the most important thing. Because when you're talking about something of this scale and size and this many people and the travel element and the weather element, it could have very easily not been that. But that's just not the experience that we had. Um, I will say that as we were kind of like getting out and about Hitting a few blackjack tables, um, you know, getting some food to eat. We had a few moments where we discussed what would it look like to sell our Sunday tickets, just as the price for those started to increase amongst people who were already in town and couldn't go on Saturday. We didn't do it. I'm glad we didn't. Um, But uh, you know, it was certainly one of those things where you're kind of like scratching your chin a little bit of like, hmm, I wonder, uh, ROI, uh, if you will, on on the trip, Um, because we certainly weren't going to do that by. Winning any uh, any winnings at the blackjack table, or at least at least not me. But um, and I think know. especially
1: tempting as our blackjack uh, money started dwindling, uh, yes. checking the resale value <laughs> of the ticket. But uh, yeah, we did hang in there and end up going on Sunday.
0: So Saturday morning, or no Sunday morning, we get up, we get downstairs, get our coffee, get some food, and we're you know um, went back to the casino a little bit. I, I was thinking, so the festival gates opened at 11. The festival kind of officially began at 12. And the first set I was interested in was Seusen at 12.20. We kind of made the call of like, hey, let's get there around 10. Uh, felt right. I can look back easily now and be like, that was wrong. Uh, but that's the approach we took. But there was definitely a buzz that morning. Uh, we saw... I, I need to look up his name, one of the guys, the guitarist from Mayday Parade, standing in the bagel line downstairs in our hotel, that was definitely like, okay, this is happening now. Um, We take the Uber, we get there, there's a line. That's expected. We walk up to the front where the entrance basically is, and there's a line going in there, but the back of the line was also at the entrance. And then Snake's around corners, down some blocks, through a really weird parking lot area. We didn't know at the time how far the line went. We just knew the back of the line's here. Now we're walking away from the entrance of the venue as people are walking in with the belief that eventually we're going to hit a bend and come back the other way. That's all we knew, and there were event staff there kind of telling us to, like, this is what's happening, right? Like, that's just kind of what we did. So we're following this line. Uh, I immediately was panicked that we're not going to get in at time. Chris, ever the cool cucumber, was saying, oh, no, 45 minutes. We're, we're no no issue at all. Um, it was longer than 45 minutes. We get, again, back in this weird, almost back alley parking lot area where the, <laughs> the line finally turns around to come back the other way. But at a certain point, the line kind of came to a stop. And then the lines that were next to us kind of like start disappearing. And there was kind of this moment of like, what's happening? One, we're not getting into the venue now in time. But two it was almost like people had just collectively decided that like, I'm not waiting in line. I'm just walking in the entrance. And I should say the entrance wasn't like a, the size of, you know, a door. It was a large, wide entrance into where the gates were. Um, And even at the time, when we were at the back of the line by the entrance, I'd even thought like, what's to stop us from just walking in this giant open mouth. That's going to walk us down towards the entry gates. Well, obviously a lot of other people had the same thing in mind. And I found out later um, again, thank you to the folks at Chorus FM and everybody sharing their experience on the boards there. There were actually police telling people not to get in the line to just go in the entrance. So like there were all these different <laughs> – this was the worst part of the festival in my opinion was the complete lack of organization around the entry. But there were like multiple different groups telling people to do completely different things which caused an absolute log jam. And I'll let you share the part because this was kind of leans into the we're all in this together – There were three young women standing in front of us and unbeknownst to us, one of them happens to, I guess, as their day job, manage big events or manage lines at big events. I still don't really fully understand, but she runs off and uh, I'll let you kind of explain what happens from there.
1: Yeah, and, and she ran off and, and grabbed, I think, at least one of the officers. And then at another point in time, I want to say two either festival workers or volunteers, they looked like kind of high school kids that were sort of working the, the entry. So uh, I, I couldn't tell um, whether they were being paid or whether they were just kind of showing up to have a good time. But um, basically, she tried to get people to reform the line that had not been formed and sent people back down the street. But then as soon as we went up a block or two, we got the same message that you were just saying, Kyle, was somebody telling us there's no line, just walk in, after you and I had collectively stood in line for two hours. Yeah. <laughs> so that was a bit frustrating. Um, but I'm, I'm so glad that we made it for SEO said because that was who you were really excited about and as soon as we got in, we had probably about 20 minutes, 10 minutes to to make it over to the stage. We got a light jog on, which was good, I think, <laughs> for the day to sort of yeah. get limber and loose. We got a couple selfies right by the entrance, um, but we made yeah. it, which was great. We yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I, I would agree that the line, the entry, especially if you're planning a festival and you know that 80,000 people are going to be there and... It's a venue that's hosted festivals before. Like this was not a new venue where right. have, there have been music festivals there. It's crazy to me that entry was kind of not the first thing on the list and yeah. something just got messed up with how the line was wrapped because we were moving to get in. And I think we would have gotten in in about 45 minutes to an hour had the rest of the line not collapsed. And I think you and I, unfortunately just got the short end of the stick once people started going directly to the entrance and not standing in the original line to get in.
0: Yeah. So Chris basically had to spend an hour and a half listening to me go, we're not going to make it. We're not going to get in. We're going to miss sayosin We're not going to make it. We're never going to make it. Uh, we did make it. We got to the black stage where sayosin was playing at 1218. I looked at my watch. Mm-hmm. The set started at 1220, uh, you know, by a, a small miracle. It all worked out. One of the things I'll say, we're going to talk about some of the bands we saw, just overall experience of the actual festival. One of the things I'll say, when we were young, they you know, shared the map of the venue of like, here's the layout. And there's five stages, black stage, pink stage, which are effectively the two main stages side by side the neon tint, the checker stage, and the stripe stage. And when you're looking at the map, of the little picture on your phone, it's like, oh, that's manageable. So they released the set times, and it's like, oh, I can see this band here, hop over to that stage, see that band a few minutes later, bop around here, there. We got in, and I immediately realized I had totally miscalculated the size of these festival grounds. Like, it was massive. Like, there, I immediately was like, oh, I'm not going to be able to just watch a set here and just, you know, hop, skip and a jump over to the stripe stage on the other side. Not only is it going to be a hike, but there's going to be a fuck ton of people to try to work through and navigate to get over there. So that was, I don't know if you had that reaction, but I kind of walked in and it was like, Oh, okay. So this yeah. is, this is the situation. I,
1: I don't know that that hit me right away when we were just trying to get to Seosin. But you, I think, migrated across the grounds before I did, because I stayed kind of in that area for a parade. And one of the things I think I realized later is that the checkered stage sort of being right in between the two main areas caused a huge log jam. If you're trying to go from the black or pink stage, which is where the headliners were playing, to especially the stripe stage, which is where some of the smaller acts were playing you basically had to fight through a crowd of people to get there. Yeah. Um, and it's probably common among music festivals. I think anybody that wants to go to when we were young, you look at the lineup that comes out and you're like, I'm going to see this person. I'm going to see this person. I'm going to see this person. But when you're actually at the festival, I think we quickly realized that we were going to have to make a lot more choices between those bands yes. than what we originally thought. And that was – I don't want to say disappointing because a music festival, I think you have to expect that to some degree, but I definitely get, didn't get to see everybody that I wanted to see um, going in to Sunday. Yeah,
0: Yep. There were those adjustments. And uh, so, yeah, to your point, we get there to the black stage, watch Seosin, and then I'm going to go over to the stripe stage, watch acceptance with the plan to come back to the pink stage and watch boys like girls. So I do make it over to the stripe stage um, to watch acceptance And after their set finishes, I'm going back over, and suddenly, so how it's set up is you've got the black and pink stage side by side, and then there's a distance of, I don't know how many yards back, that's like the general admission pit area in front of the black stage, and the same size pit just for VIP in front of pink. Then there's a barricade. Well, by the time I got back, not only was the general admission pit for the black stage full but behind the barricade was just droves and droves and droves of people. So the spot we picked of like, Hey, let's meet up here before boys like girls. I couldn't even find it because there was so many people. Um, so that was kind of that moment of like, this is going to be, uh, I've got to recalibrate here. I've got to kind of readjust my expectations, but it was in that moment. Um, by the way, a couple, I guess, side notes here, the cell service was poor um, and kind of depended on where you, there were some areas where there was literally no service at all, others where it was sketchy, maybe a few spots where you could get decent service. So our communication abilities kind of went out the window as well, uh, which made it a little tricky. But when I made it back over, uh, you were watching Mayday Parade in the general admission pit in front of the black stage, right? Yes. And so. I couldn't even make my way over to the behind area of the black stage. There were so many people. So I was standing behind the pink stage, probably 20 yards deep from the barricade behind the pit. Um, and I'm watching from afar on the screen. I can hear made playing parade and I can see them up on the screen and I figure, well, I'm going to be watching boys like girls from a long ways out here. So I'm standing shoulder to shoulder. There's people all around me and my favorite moment of the festival happened. Um, I'm standing there, and there's probably like 1 in 20 people that are kind of like paying attention to Mayday Parade. Clearly, like everybody around me is waiting for boys not girls. There's people who are kind of like nodding their heads or maybe singing along. Um, And Mayday Parade comes to their final song of their set. They're going to play Jamie All Over, which is my favorite Mayday Parade song. And, of course, it's set in Las Vegas. Those opening guitar notes. And then the entire giant crowd of people. I had a dream last night. We drove out to see, Like everybody burst into song and everybody sang every word to the I, I I still get chills like when I'm talking to people about it because it was when I think back to like why I wanted to go to this festival I mean obviously I see all these great bands but for all of the experiences that I've had in the scene and warp tour in this general sense of like community camaraderie um togetherness um in that moment all these people who weren't even there to see Mayday Parade the sudden realization that everybody knows the words to the song and we're all just going to like sing it together as like this giant choir of strangers like bonded in this moment was like, this, this is why I wanted to be here. And that for me was like the moment that I was like, whatever happens today, this is going to be like the best. Um, I I don't know what it was like. I, I don't even know, like you were far enough up that you probably couldn't even appreciate how far back the crowd went and how like every single person, was like suddenly in the moment together like that.
1: Yeah. I'm a little bit jealous of your, I think, perspective of everyone just looking forward. But I will say being in the pit was a hell of a lot of fun for that yeah. song. I mean, that's one of the reasons I wanted to stay up for Mayday Parade. It, it feels like a lot of these bands have those one or two songs that everybody going to the festival knows that, yep. that listens to any music in this space. And speaking of things we were really excited for, um, Jamie all over from Mayday Parade, uh, Downfall of Us All from A Day to (laughs) Remember. There are just certain songs that I knew going in that I really, really, really wanted to be there for, to sing out loud, but then also to have a crowd of 80,000 people sing those same songs with me at the same time. And I agree, that was just such a cool connected experience that I had multiple times throughout the day, but Jamie all over yeah. was a nice start. I feel like for me, that's when I, I know you were really excited for Seosin, but for me, that's when the festival really kicked off. I was like, Oh yeah. shit, I'm here. Jamie all over. Let's go. Everybody knows this one. Like just, a awesome.
0: yeah, to touch on the, a day to remember thing. That was another cool moment. And I knew that moment was coming. I mean, everybody, I think kind of knew that moment was coming, but it was still cool. And the reason why was, A Day to Remember – so as it gets later towards the evening, all the biggest names on the lineup are now going to be playing back-to-back-to-back-to-back, black stage, pink stage. So you could just be like in the black stage pit and just see everything for the rest of the night. And A Day to Remember was like – I think – well, I guess taking back Sunday and then A Day to Remember. But the cool thing was by the time A Day to Remember had – come on stage the sun had basically gone down to the horizon so now the lights of las vegas are kind of starting to show up all around the festival grounds and they come out and the (laughs) like that moment where it hits and everybody's jumping and i remember looking around it was one of those things i wasn't far back anymore but i could just see oh everybody's over here now (laughs) like everybody's kind of committing the rest of the night we're just like locked in um on this side of the grounds and that was like they definitely set it off. That was, that was fun. Like those moments. I don't know. It's just so cool. Um, So I I guess now's a good time to sort of talk through some of the bands that we saw. Um, I've got a list here. I kind of, you know, it's funny because as you're walking around, as you're waiting in line for food, as you're waiting in line for merch and we'll talk about the merch line a little bit later, but there were moments where like you're within you're, you're always within earshot of music. So there were sets that I heard, but I wasn't necessarily like at the stage watching them. I'm not counting that. I just put down a list of here are the bands that I saw all or most of their set standing in the crowd. So uh, Seosin, Acceptance, Boys Like Girls, Anne Berlin, Glassjaw, Paris, Taking Back Sunday, A Day to Remember, Avril Lavigne, Bright Eyes, Bring Me the Horizon, Paramore, My Chemical Romance. When I write that down, and tell myself, like, you saw all of those bands play in one day. That's kind of, like, dumb. <laughs> like, that's that's an absurd uh, lineup to get to see in one day and definitely makes the, the price of admission worth it in my mind. Um, I know we saw – we overlapped a little bit, but run through some of the bands that you uh, were able to catch.
1: Yeah, I think of um, the bands that you didn't mention that I saw – um, instead of some of the ones that you saw uh, would have been Mayday Parade. Um, I saw a little bit of Census Fail. The main was in there yeah. as well. Um, I got a lot of Avril Lavigne's set. I would say to your point, I wasn't as close, locked in, paying attention to it. But I did. I was in a position where I heard pretty much the entire thing. Um and she also brought out a couple of members from All Time Low, which is really yep. cool. Because I, I remember commenting to you before the festival, it feels like All Time Low should be here. And now they're, of course, confirmed for 2023 uh, as being part of the festival. Um, so, yeah, th- those were yeah. a few of mine. But to your point, we did have a decent bit of overlap between that larger group. Yeah.
0: Yeah. A lot of my early bands, you know, once I got to the last half of the day, it was just, again, those two main stages. But the first half of the day, I spent a lot of time at the Stripe stage. I never was at the Checker stage, but you were there for several bands. I think Census Fail vale and uh, The Main both actually played there. Um, so that's interesting. What When you were at that stage, what were the crowds like? Because I know at Stripe, it kind of varied. There were moments where it felt like breathable. There was room it was nice. And then there were sets like in Berlin draw, drew a really big crowd, for example, where it was like, Oh, okay. Like now this section, cause the stripe stage sort of is tucked back in a corner almost, which kind of made it a nice respite at moments, but it also could fill up. Um, so that was interesting, but I, I didn't get to experience the checker stage.
1: Yeah. I mean, the crowds were massive and I would say that's, you know, that's sort of the tertiary stage, right? If you're, if you're ranking the sizes, the the black stage and the pink stage are kind of the main stages. The checkered stage is sort of the the next tier down and then you yeah. have the stripe stage and then the tent. So let's say yeah. the third biggest stage at the event is the checker stage. But yeah. even that felt like a massive massive concert. And yeah. actually for the main specifically I got there one act early just to try and get a little bit closer to the front at the checker stage which was crazy because I thought going in, hey, they're playing at the third stage. I should be able to show up 10 minutes before the set starts and still get a pretty good spot. But if I'd shown up 10 minutes before a set started, I think I would have been pretty far back, to be yeah. honest with you. So it was electric that there were that many people there. But yeah, of course, I would have loved to have been closer and have you know a little bit more room to uh, you know dance around a little bit as I yeah. do. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was a good experience. I would say, um, we, we talked a little bit about sound quality. I felt like the checkered stage was on par kind of with everything else, um, as well.
0: Yeah. It fluctuated, uh, at times. I mean, Sayosin, we commented at the start and I saw other people talking about online. It was, the sound was weird. I don't know if it was just like the first band of the day. They hadn't like figured out just the right mix from the soundboards. I don't know if it was the wind, um so there were sets where uh earlier in the day where i was like something's a little off here but i mean towards the end of the night i mean stuff was sounding really crisp really nice um one of the things that we we didn't talk about that i was thinking about in hindsight i you know you're on your feet for basically 14 hours you know if you're there we got there a couple hours early and then throughout the entire festival not to mention i was wearing those checkered vans which um, i decided to take my soft insoles out of to make them more comfortable It's a lot of time on your feet. And when we got in and you go in the entrance, there's the giant sort of entry thing of when we were young. And there was this long, like pink carpet. It's almost like pink artificial turf. And you get in and around each of the stage areas, there was like, they'd laid down like green artificial turf. Everywhere else is kind of like pavement. But it added a surprising amount of like cushion, I thought, to like be able to stand there and you could even sit comfortably um because the black and pink stage areas were kind of like slightly inclined so if you were further at the back you could sit and still see the stage fairly easily. Um just a little note. I don't know for people that uh um you know like me kind of get sore from standing for a while. I I was I thought it was all set up pretty well. Again, given how massive of a venue it was, how many Thousands and thousands and thousands of people it was. There were surprising amounts of little things that made it just a little bit more comfortable, I thought.
1: Yeah, I would agree. And just to sort of wrap up the, the festival logistics component of it, I, I would also add that um, I was most impressed that water and bathrooms were easily accessible. That was not yep. something I was expecting. I was expecting a super long line for both of those things Um, probably the only other con I can think of that we didn't mention yet that you alluded to was the line for merch which was unbelievable and I think the thing that surprised me the most was that there wasn't merch available for sale from the festival online before the festival so if you wanted something you had to go there and it didn't open early there wasn't an option to shop you know the week before so it led to a merch line that was an hour and a half to 2 hours long uh, which I thought was also ridiculous. Now did I stand in it? Absolutely. I wanted my shirt <laughs> from the festival. Uh but yeah, I missed um you know an act and a half just because yeah. of that. That weight. Well, it's
0: interesting. They had like the merch areas for like the when we were young festival merch and then there was a separate Tent for just merch from the individual bands and artists that were at the festival. So you kind of had to pick. You stood in line for an hour for the festival merch, and thank you for getting me that t shirt, by the way. So I didn't have to stand in line for that. I ended up standing in line myself for an hour for the artist merch to get a seosin shirt. But yeah, it was like, I kept waiting, like, oh, it'll die down. Oh, it'll die down. Eventually it's like, it's not dying down. I mean, you just got to bite the bullet, stand in line yeah. for an hour. Um, I did see that for this, uh, and again, you're listening to this on Monday, it will have already have happened, we're recording it Friday, for tomorrow's festival, there's going to be a pop-up shop outside uh, the festival grounds, it might even be today and tomorrow, so for like people, I I think that was a thing that they realized of like, oh, we're really taking an hour to an hour and a half out of people's day at this festival for the merch, let's kind of open it up a little bit to give people an opportunity. Yeah, even...
1: Even more than that, I feel like what they're thinking is we're sitting here watching people get out of line that we're going to buy stuff because yeah. the line is too long. So we need to make sure that this is more readily available so that they can sort yeah. of maximize the amount of merch that they're selling, which fair to them because like you said, that makes the experience better for festival goers as well. But I I felt like they were losing money just by having a line that was, that was so ridiculous.
0: Yeah. The uh, food, I mean, there were food vendors all over the place, uh, drink tents. Um, you know, there were moderate weights. I, I thought the wait for food and drink was totally reasonable pretty much anytime I needed something. So that was another nice thing. I mean, they had tons and tons of options. So that, um, that really helped a lot. Um, let's talk a little bit more about some of the bands. I know we've talked about a few moments here, but Chris, I wanted to have you share like What were some of your favorite sets that you saw? What were some of your favorite moments and just general observations of some of the bands that you saw play?
1: Yeah. Um, Well, let's see. I already mentioned Mayday Parade, I think, kicking things off, especially with a song that alludes to Las Vegas. That was the moment when I sort of felt like, okay, I'm here. Let's do this. This is going to be awesome. Um, Some honorable mentions for sets that I really didn't go in with any expectations and came away sort of like, whoa. Uh, Boys Like Girls, I don't know if you had the same impression of them from what you saw, but I was like, holy shit, these guys are really, really good live. Yeah, yeah. felt that the music that they were playing held up really well. The lead singer uh, was great and also kind of hilarious because they sort of got towards the end of the set and he made a comment of, hey, sorry, we haven't put out any new music in 10 years or whatever, yada, yada, you know, and then just went for it. Um, and that was another band where even towards the back of the main stage area, everybody sort of stopped what they were doing and sang along to some yeah. of the songs, even some of the, you know, not necessarily the the main song or two, but like Hero, Heroine, with. Uh, yeah is an unbelievable song, you know, but that's not necessarily the the first song you think of when you think of boys and girls, but everybody knew it. So I thought that the track list that they played went a lot deeper than maybe what my impression was of it going in. And they played a killer show, uh, which again wasn't the first band on my list when I was coming up with my set list, but definitely somebody that I would want to see again if that opportunity ever came up. So I was really impressed um, with them. Was there anybody for you, Kyle, that maybe you went in that was under the radar that you saw their set and you were like, oh my gosh, that was amazing?
0: Uh, the couple that stand out, I, I agree with you on Boys Like Girls. They they sounded fantastic and it was a super fun, uh, super fun set. Um, Acceptance, who I've been a fan of for a long time and I saw them for the first and only time back in 2005, which was also the first time I saw uh seosin and Anne berlin that was a stacked tour um uh, at that point but i I, I saw acceptance live before i'd ever heard them and immediately fell in love with them Uh, jason vena's voice i thought was like one of the best live voices i'd ever heard and obviously they broke up and were gone for a long time and then have come back i haven't been able to see them seeing them again i kind of went of like oh yeah acceptance i like them and then watching them i was like oh yeah like jason's voice is just so good. This band is so tight. Still, uh, they just sounded incredible, and I was so it was cool to see the turnout they had for their set. I thought I, I was kind of surprised that like, oh man, there's a lot of people that were here, and they played a lot of, uh, I mean, almost the entirety of their set list was uh, from Phantoms, their um, their one full length album before the uh, before the reunion. So that was super fun, and then I knew I, I think I thought that I was going to enjoy Avril Lavigne. But her set was way more fun than I was expecting. I was going to say
1: the exact same thing. That was sort of my next under-the-radar act where she really, it seemed like, just leaned into, hey, this is when we were young. This is this era. This is this time. And I'm just going to go for it. And we're going to have a blast. Did did you get that vibe from
0: her? A hundred percent. Like, she was there to just have a good time. And almost like, I don't want to say make light of all of it, but just have a lightness um and a breeziness to the whole setting there was nothing self-serious about it it was just like people were straight up like partying too down in the in the pit area which was a lot of fun um you mentioned all time low came out they were, they played uh all the small things by blink 182 together which was also kind of a fun moment of uh two artists that that's not their song playing this other song that's kind of seminal to the pop punk scene so that was cool and then uh my highlight uh you know so much for my happy ending um you know, a a song of hers that I love that I didn't even know would make a set list like this. And sure enough, she played it. So yeah, those were the two like that, that really, um, I think kind of stuck out to me. Uh, Tell me a little bit about, uh, you said you caught some of Census fail set. I I wasn't able to see any of that. What was the energy there? What was the crowd like?
1: Yeah, I caught, um, I want to say probably their last three or four, songs and that was another band that was on the checker stage which is that third stage that still drew a massive crowd despite not yeah. being kind of a main stage act and again it just it feels like every senses fail fan was there everybody knew all the songs <laughs> yeah everybody was in it um especially can't be saved um people were screaming that one including me who, you know, admittedly I'm not a huge Census Fail fan, but I love that song. And that yeah. was another one that was really cool to kind of sing with the, with the whole group of people who obviously adore and love this band.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Um, uh, a couple other notes from uh, some of the early sets. Anne berlin drew the biggest crowd I saw at the Stripe stage, which surprised me. Um, I've seen them probably 10 or 11 times at this point, but it's always a blast to get to see them. Glassjaw, you heard me, your ear off about this glass has been my biggest bucket list band for gosh i don't even know how long at this point i mean you know going on probably 20 years that i've wanted to be able to see this band live i've never had the opportunity and as years have gone on it gets harder and harder to ever even have a chance to see them live whoever you are um they were kind of the oddball one of the oddball names on this lineup Um, and they drew the smallest crowd of the day of any stage that I was at, but it did not bother me at all. It was so incredible to finally see them. They sounded amazing. Daryl Palumbo, even into his forties now is still just like an unbelievable vocalist, his ability to transition from sing to scream. Um, and they just, they rocked it. It was, I, (laughs) I got to be right up near the front of the stage. It was just, I, I was just smiling the entire set. It was such a, it felt like such a long time coming and it um, was everything that I could have hoped it would be. Um, I mentioned, I also got to catch Paris at the neon tent. Lynn gun may have had the best vocals of the day. Her voice is just incredible. It was a party. There were a ton of people in that tent area and it's not, we're not talking about like a little tent. It's like a big structure, um, you know, tent and air quotes. So it can hold a pretty decent amount of size, pretty decent uh, size crowd. Um, Yeah, and people were jumping and dancing. That that was super great. So right after that is when I move over to the the pit area in front of the black stage for Taking Back Sunday and join up with you. And that, um, one, great call by you. You had the right idea. You can get into the pit area in front of the black stage. And then all you have to do to watch the pink stage acts is just like turn your body 45 degrees to the right and you can see everything that you need to see. So these stages yeah. are so close together that you could be in the pit area in front of one and very easily see and enjoy the set over on the pink stage. So we got to see Taking Back Sunday in A Day to Remember. So I'll let you talk a little bit about kind of that time period.
1: Yeah, and even just to set the scene, it was essentially the, the main stage area, the pink and black, it was essentially one big stage that they sort of cut in half. Yeah. So when one act would go off, another act would go on and vice versa. So there wasn't really the the 30-minute lull between sets. Correct. I mean, it was one after the other, which was, I, I think, definitely a selling point. But the other thing that I'll mention is the VIP area. So if you upgraded and got a VIP ticket, that was sort of the pit area in front of the pink stage. So the, the barrier uh, by the black stage area is pretty far back. So yep. yeah, as you said, I think the best strategy, if you wanted to be close to the act was to go in to the black uh, pit area and then kind of gravitate towards the right side of that to, to see the acts on the pink stage, which I, I think everybody else picked up on as well. Uh-huh. You know, I thought we were going to be the only ones to, to figure that out, but no, uh, I think taking back Sunday sort of kicked off the evening slate, which was, Hey, we're going to camp out in this area as long as we can and try and ride it out through uh, my chemical romance uh, at the very end. But that that for me um, was sort of like I said the kickoff of of the headline acts throughout yep. the day there were sort of disparate shows and I think a lot of people were bopping around between the checkered stage the striped stage the tent etc. But as soon as you got Taking Back Sunday to kick off that evening slate that was when people were really locked in and it's crazy because the show was like six more hours at that point yeah. you know yeah. it was a long day but but that was sort of like okay, this is sort of the meat and potatoes of, of the festival. Would, would you agree that that was sort of the- hundred percent. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And the interesting thing that we should make note of and the thing that kind of threw off the night was that that getting down to that general admission pit of the Black Stage, it wasn't like you just walk to it. There's a gate behind, back behind the back barricade behind the pit. And the, you walk through the gate and then take this little kind of loop around and down into the pit. So it's kind of a, a smaller area to walk through to get down there. And once we went out, I, I left after, a, towards the end of a day to remember set to go hit the restroom, get another drink. Well, it, it was packed full of people trying to get back down into the pit area and they were only letting people through a couple of a time. So it created this like really intense log jam where it was the only part of the festival where I was like kind of scared because I was like, it's one of those things where you're moving as the crowd is moving and you don't have a choice. So like, don't fall down because you you might not get back up type of thing. So that was kind of weird, but I was fortunate enough to squeak back through to get down at the end of Avril set uh, before um, bright eyes. Um, You unfortunately came out and then weren't able to get back in, but it was a, that was the one bad thing about having all the big acts at the same side of the festival, going back and forth on those stages for the rest of the night Is it created that, um, really, kind of an impasse type situation. Yeah,
1: and if you're someone that's thinking about the VIP ticket, I think that's where it's worthwhile. Was towards right. that night because on the general admission side, we couldn't get back to the pit area. But if you had VIP, I can't imagine that there was such a a log jam to go up in front on on the pink side. Um, and I did try. I'll mention too for for people that are thinking about going, like for 20 minutes to get to get back into the pit area and it was like Kyle said you're sort of lurching forward as as yeah. a group of people not so much walking uh-huh. and the other thing that they did that flabbergasted me was this line to get into the pit was right next to the exit so you had people trying to come out of the pit into a massive crowd of people so then you've you've already created sort of tension when people are trying to move both directions and it was right next to the line for the women's restroom right there, which was the closest bathroom yeah. for right. the pit area. So there's sort of three separate lines converging all in one place with this absolute mass of people that are trying to push their way into the pit area. And I, I agree with you. That was the only time during the festival for the amount of people that were there that I really felt sort of like unsafe or uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, like, squeezed in shoulders. Yeah. It, you know, it, it was pretty intense. I did um, have so. a moment
0: of being scared. And by the way, it's pitch black at this point too, which also creates another kind of level of weirdness and, and uncertainty. But like I said, I was fortunate enough to kind of squeak back in there um, for Avril's set bright eyes. Kano uh, burst was extremely drunk. Um, so that was interesting for their set, but then the final three acts of the night. So there's three giant sort of screens showing what's happening on stage for everybody, you know, far enough back that it's hard to see the stage. There's two on either side of both stages and then one in the middle and bring me the horizon came out. Well, they did before they came out one, they'd set up sort of an, uh, a extra sort of, I don't know how to describe it. Things on stage for them to stand on like sort of a, you know, layers. Um, boy, my words of, gone from my mind here but basically it's like little mini stages on the stage that have led uh, lights and then on the screens that start playing like a video that was basically almost like it's running a computer program and scanning the crowd and like kind of like setting up it was really cool but they come out and the whole set was basically like set to this like running computer program thing so now not only are the screens like showing the camera shots of what's happening on stage and what's happening in the crowd, but they've added additional elements to the screen to kind of like tie it all together. I thought hands down, it was the most just tight, awesome, spectacular eye catching jaw dropping set of the, of the entire day, just from the production value. Um, I I was literally blown away and I've talked before about how far that band has come since their, um, since their early days, but it was, it felt like a moment of like, Coming back home to this festival, but bring me the horizons—a different band than than what we remember. And I, 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 I can't say enough about how fun I, I thought their set was. And then uh, right after that, you've got Paramore on the on the pink stage. They come out and immediately um, start with uh, "All I Wanted Was You," which they've never played live before. Haley absolutely crushed it, brought the house down vocally, um, and their set was a blast. I was surprised that it leaned heavily on tracks from brand new eyes and the self-titled I didn't see that coming like they only played two songs off a riot um but nevertheless it was fun um they even played uh the song from twilight that's not decode um caught myself um and but I think one of the most interesting moments of the entire festival happened during their set and that was Haley um Kind of giving a speech, I guess, for lack of a better word, or sharing her thoughts um, on the scene, Um, and it kind of was like going back of like, here's here's what this looked like in the beginning, and you know the ideas of inclusive inclusivity and um, a safe space that by the time Paramore came onto the scene in 2005 was no longer a safe space if you were a young woman, if you were a person of color, if you were. Um, you know, from the LGBTQ community. And so she, I, it was a sobering moment for everybody. And I think we all, and we've talked about it so much uh, on our site and on this podcast about the toxicity of this scene and a lot of all of the bad stuff that came along with it. And I thought Haley's um, Haley's speech was really powerful in that regard of just highlighting like, Hey, we're all here to celebrate the special thing that we were all part of, but let's not forget that this wasn't always so special for everybody and we've still got a long ways to go to be where it needs to be. And I, I thought that was a, a needed, sobering moment for the festival amidst a, an incredible set from then. And so while Paramore's playing, you can see on the black stage that there's all these people and they're like building a set on the stage that ended up looking like almost apocalyptic, like there was a, a building that was kind of like falling apart and rubble and a upended vehicle. And um, it was definitely the... You know, the the biggest thing on any of the stages like that. And My Chemical Romance come out and they're dressed completely in the Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge era garb that they wore, you know, for the album art and the, the album cycle um, touring for that album, which I, I was through the roof about. And they break into I'm Not Okay, I Promise. And as I'm watching this first song, I'm kind of like, what's going on here? And suddenly I realize that they're all wearing like this really intense prosthetic stuff to make them look like they're a hundred years old and in between songs gerard is like speaking into like a microphone that's garbling in his voice and he's almost acting senile and speaking gibberish at one point he was like thank you utah um it was they were definitely leaning into i guess the their own joke of the when we were young and the nostalgia um around all of this that was definitely uh a very my chemical romance thing to do but I was personally delighted at how heavy the first half of the set was with three cheers for sweet revenge era tracks. They eventually uh, it, they broke it in half with Welcome to the Black Parade before kicking into the back half of the set that was all um, songs from the Black Parade. But overall, like you, there were so many to me like. You've only got so much time. I mean, my Kimmel romance appear more had an hour, but a lot of these bands, you've got 30 minutes. So what are you going to do with it? I personally was delighted throughout the day and night of the, the set list that were put together. It felt like I didn't walk away with a lot of feelings of like, oh, I wish I would have seen this band play that song. I don't know if you had similar feelings, but I definitely felt like satisfied with pretty much all the choices that were made. Yeah, I was going to
1: ask you about that, actually. Uh, because to your point, it, it is a sort of a tight 30 minutes. I mean, you've got, you know, seven, eight songs for most of these bands, obviously a little bit more towards the end when you get to Paramore and MyChem. My impression was that, that I was happy about it. It seemed like as part of this communal experience that we mentioned that existed within the, the fan bases, the yeah. bands were sort of on the same wavelength in that and, and understanding that this was meant to be sort of a, a giant celebration throwback event. Nobody that I can recall went up there and said, hey, have you heard this song out of our new album? Maybe a couple of those. And that's yeah. great. You know, I hope these bands continue to put out music. I, I'm certainly like not against that. But the focus of the festival and I think for each set list that I heard was music that came out you know, in the two thousands, in the 2010s and not so much, Hey, here's where we're going. Um, yeah, uh, did you get that kind of impression as well?
0: Yeah, I, I do. Um, I agree with that. And it's interesting cause my Kim didn't play their new song, uh, foundations of decay. Paramore did play. This is why, but that, that song was a blast and I think everybody enjoyed it. And I think there's excitement about the new album coming from them. The only one I can think of was Anne Berlin uh, played two graves and i i kind of almost groaned in the moment of like hey we just brought this new ep here's the news i mean you know i love Ian Berlin and the song was i like the song it was fine but i was kind of like oh me and like can't we get one of the oldies here but um but you're right by and large um that was definitely um the vibe and 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 uh how the set lists were composed which was super fun so yeah uh that was the day that was the night we survived it uh, made it back to the hotel, made it home on the plane. It took me a couple of days to kind of check off the jet lag and general exhaustion I had after all of it. But my, my general thought was hundred um, percent happy that I did it. I, I can't, there's no part of me that uh, has any wish that we hadn't gone. It was truly a blast. I, I hope you feel the same.
1: Yeah. Uh, it was an awesome experience and, in- I think the thing that, that I want to ask you and, and get your opinion on now that we've had, a, you know, a week at home to sort of think about, wow, you know, all of this is going on and, and will continue to go on next year at the 2023 festival. yeah. So we've got my chem is back together, releasing new music touring. We've got blink 182. It's back together, releasing new music, touring. Paramore is putting on a new album. They're touring. Like, what does this mean for the future of the scene, the genre of music? Will it always be music that was popular in the 2000s and 2010s? Are these bands going to grow out of that and and find ways to be mainstream again? Um, you know, or or they're going to be sort of new artists and new bands that come out and replicate the style sort of in in the vein of Olivia Rodrigo, right? How she sort of became um, super popular. But I I think in part it's because she sounds a lot like Paramore and a lot of people made that connection. There's sort of this revitalization that's going on, I guess I should say. And where do you think that is headed?
0: Well, glad you asked. Um, You know, we talk a lot about that. That's almost the, uh, the reason for it's all dead's existence, right? I mean, you know, I'll say that back when we started the site in 2013, um, it kind of felt like Steam was running out. Um, but Fallout Boy came back and suddenly they were, you know, top 40 radio band, which is something that we hadn't really thought or envisioned for them. They reinvented themselves. We saw Panic at the Disco do the same thing. Um, I guess my take is that I, there was a point where I thought there was a shelf life to all of this. And everything else was just nostalgia bait. And I think the nostalgia play is always going to play. And it worked for when we were young. But if we saw anything this past weekend, people are willing to come out and spend their hard-earned money on this music. Um, And not just for the sake of feeling like it was back in the day, but because we still appreciate what these bands are doing. And there's room enough for everybody. There's room for Olivia Rodrigo. There's room for Billie Eilish. There's room for Paramore and My Chemical Romance. Like, and I think the streaming era is part of that too, right? The you know we're what we can consume and what we do consume has increased, and as a result, bands that are able to continue to evolve, willing to reinvent themselves a little while still kind of honoring who they are, that audience isn't going anywhere. we we'll still we're still here. We're still interested in hearing these songs, and we're still interested in what else there is to say. So for me. Um, you know, if you talked to me 10 years ago, I would have been like, you know, well, this is all going to die out and go away. And we even thought that when Warp Tour finally ended, but that's just, hasn't been the case. I think there's a community of people, um, that's still invested in the music, um, and is going to keep coming back. So that's how we ended up with three days with this festival. It's how we ended up with a whole nother festival next year. There's going to be more and more of this. Um, and yeah, I think it's, even though things have changed, I think the music is still just alive as it's ever been. And uh, if anything, this this past weekend gave me even more confidence that um, this is a pretty cool place to be.
1: Yeah does Does Warp Tour come back?
0: I don't think so. Um, I you know <laughs> that's another thing we've talked about. There's a lot of baggage with Warp Tour that probably doesn't need to come back. But I think what we've seen is other things coming. In that have sort of taken its place, whether it be a when we were young, whether it be what Riot Fest has sort of grown into in recent years, uh, Sad Summer. Um, there's all kinds of different festivals and things like this, plus, it's still, you know, a strong community of touring bands. So, I don't even think we really need Warp Tour. That I also kind of felt that way with when we were young. Like, I don't know what Warp Tour would offer me at this point, other than it's coming to your city versus you having to go to Vegas. But the experience we had was like Warp Tour times 10. Uh, it's almost like i you know it's the closest comparison but you almost can't compare it because this was so much bigger um and and so much better in my opinion so um so yeah who knows I guess never say never but i you know I don't know that i I need warp tour at this point
1: yeah I hear you on the the baggage that exists with warp tour and i think some of the the underlying uh, toxicity that you mentioned earlier that mm-hmm. haley Williams talked about but you have to, if, if you're an executive or, or if you're somebody that owns the rights to Warp Tour and you look at when we were young, which sold 80,000 tickets over three days for a thousand, I mean, completely sold out, you have to be kicking yourself, right? Because <laughs> essentially when I think of Warp Tour, I think of, man, like this is sort of our market, our opportunity. We went away, there was a void and, and somebody else sort of stepped up and, and met that need um, in, in a way that, I really feel like they had the brand recognition to do. So I I actually think that it will come back in some form or fashion, not only because this music and this genre is having this moment, I think, in 2022, but also there's just such a brand recognition that exists with Warped Tour that's synonymous with, with this scene. And I think you're seeing some of the negative elements of that. And I totally understand where you're coming from, but I think the overall brand... Is sort of is still there; it still exists. And for me, I I would expect them to do something within the next two years to basically capitalize on this opportunity that exists.
0: Yeah, we'll see. I mean, Lord knows, I wouldn't put anything past Kevin Lyman. Uh, that guy's out to to make a buck for sure. I think the one challenging part is, uh, you know, you're not going to get a My Chemical Romance or Paramore for Warp Tour at this point, so. You know, a lot of the big names on this bill aren't bands that are going to commit, you know, 40 days in the middle of the summer to travel city to city like that. I don't think, um, you know, could be proven wrong, but that is that is one element to consider. But yeah, right. you know, who knows? Um, we do know that this seemed for all intents and purposes, even aside from the, um, the bummer of Saturday, to be a massive success. So, um, yeah, I, there's no doubt that there will be more to come in some form or fashion. Um, and when it comes, uh, who knows, maybe we'll, we'll find ourselves, find ourselves on another plane to another destination for another festival. Um, but we'll see. Um, Chris, this was great. Um, I appreciate that you were willing to hang out with me for an entire weekend in Vegas and you didn't like delete my number from your phone. You actually came and talked with me on a podcast. That seems like a good sign. So, uh, Thanks. Yeah, thanks for
1: having me. It was the trip itself was a blast and I'm glad that we got to sit with it for a few days and kind of come back together and sort of a, a meeting of the minds and figure out yeah. what the
0: hell happened. Uh, cuz it was great. <laughs> Absolutely. And we got to get Drake on one of these uh one of these lineups eventually too. He'd fit, right? Pink stage, do you think? I don't know. I um, think he would
1: commit to Warp Tour uh during the summer. That seems like
0: <laughs> There you go. All right. Well, Chris, uh, thanks again for coming on. Thank you to everybody for listening. Uh, come check us out at it's all We are rapidly heading towards the end of the year here. You're going to be, uh, we're going to start putting our heads together on our end of the year list. There's been so much great new music that's come out in recent weeks, including Taylor Swift, Carly Rae Jepsen, Architects. I almost can't keep up, uh, but we're going to do our best. Yes. the 1975 Chris's favorite band. So, Uh, Lots of good stuff happening. Thank you for spending your time with us. Um, That's going to do it. I'm uh, Kyle Hawk, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to Long Live the Music. If you like our show, come find us on Twitter and Facebook at It's All Dead. And of course, come visit our website, itsalldead.com.